Well, if you've been here uh, sometime this year, you've heard us talking about supernatural increase. Amen? That whatever uh, you're doing in this life, you're not limited to just what you can do. How many have found out to be true? If, uh, if God has to rain it down from heaven, He'll get it to you. Amen? Um, I think it was Joy you mentioned to me today about the story about the little boy George Pearsons was talking about that was asking God for a $10 bill and it would fall from a tree. And then remember what he said? No, the birds would bring it and put it in a tree. And what happened? Well, the birds, every day there was money in the tree, exactly where he said. Sometimes a few cents, sometimes quarters. But over the several days, mm -hmm. they put $10. And when the $10 were there, they it was over. <laughs> Amen. How many y'all could use a money bird in your life from time to time? Amen. But I'm thinking a little bit bigger bills than that. I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> well, see, if you're not careful, what you do is you start telling God how to do his business. Yeah. He can only minister to you through a paycheck or through a retirement check or whatever the case may be. But he has a million ways to take care of his people. And we've been talking about this for a long time. And the first principle is that we have to walk in the ways of God. Say that with me, the ways of God. And that means the way of humility and love and, and, and you know, dealing with things from his perspective, uh, walking these things out. Uh, we stay on his ways and uh, we're going to be set up to actually increase. We talked about faithfulness. Say it, I am faithful and diligent. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'm a believing believer. And the seventh principle is that the supernatural increase comes as we learn to speak literally into existence. In other words, it does us no good to walk on the ways of God, it does us no good to be diligent and faithful and tithe and so, and be a believer and then talk contrary to everything we just mentioned. And a lot of people do that. They think, well, this doesn't matter because I got all the other things down. No, you're really not believing God if you're not speaking correctly. We'll talk about this in future sessions, but in Mark 11, it's not just what you believe in your heart, it's what you say with your mouth. And that's the key to moving mountains. So we're talking about increase in every area of life, but it also includes the material realm or the financial realm. You'll find out that religion will say, God only cares about what happens to you when you die and go to heaven, but that is a lie from the pit of hell. And it's kept a lot of people in bondage. They didn't know they could increase in health, and increase in wisdom, and increase in quality relationships, and increase, you know, financially increase in every part of life, because religion said that they could not. Well, our Lord is not named religion. No. And we serve a God of the Bible. The Word of God is first place and final authority. And if we can see in the Word where it's God's will to increase us, guess what? We grab on that with everything in our heart. So, don't be bound up by what man thinks or what religion teaches you. Stick to the Word of God. You'll find out that the Word of God has a, a wonderful life planned out for you and describes a wonderful life for you in this world and in the world to come. But again, it doesn't do you any good to do all these things and run around talking contradictory to what you say you believe. I can't say I'm walking in wisdom and then, of course, contradict that with the Word of God. I can't say I'm a tither and a believer. I believe in tither's rights. Aren't you glad you have tither's rights? Amen. Aren't you glad you have sower's promises? Amen. You talk about having you know, the power twins in your life, the promises of God and tither's rights. But if you go around talking contrary to those rights, you talk contrary to the Word, yeah, I, I sowed, I gave whatever, but nothing will ever happen because, you know, nothing ever good happens to me. And you talk this poor-mouthing thing and this unbelief thing, well, you're really cutting your legs off spiritually. 
So what we want to do is make sure that, that uh, our mouth lines up with each of these principles. And I'm not telling you something that I have perfected, but I'm a lot further down the road than I was five years ago or ten years ago. What I have learned is that the mouth is the seat of man's authority. Yes. God made you in His image. God Himself was a speaking spirit, and He executed His dominion and authority by the things that He said. In Genesis 1, the Bible says, God said, then what? Then He saw, and the third part of that was His declaration that it was good. Now, what a lot of people want to do is they want to see it before they say it. Yeah. That's how the natural world works. If I see it, then I'll say it. And I don't want to be a liar, so if I see it, then I'll say it. Well, how do you understand sometimes you can see things in the natural and it's still a lie? Yeah. Have you run into that before? This is what we heard, this is what they said, and it was a lie. For example, this entire narrative about COVID has been 100% a lie. Now, if you'll go back to some early messages that I preached, I told this congregation that it was a lie from the very, very beginning. That it was being purported to be something that it was not. Now, are the deaths real? Yes. Was the sickness real? Yes. But how it came to be, how it got out, how it was spread, and the response to it at a national, international level, that's where all the lies came in. And so, you know, I, I believe that one day some of these folks will be held accountable. That's not up to me, and that's certainly not my agenda. I'm just telling you that what appears to be real out there, you better not depend on your five senses to tell you what is true. You better stick to the Word of God and stick to what the Spirit of God is telling you and walk in discernment. Now, anybody in this room can walk in great discernment if they'll do what the Word of God says and train themselves in this teaching of righteousness by staying in the Word of God. According to Hebrews, um, we are people that are preparing ourselves to actually discern between good and evil, right and wrong, dark and light. That's so critical right now. But a big part of this is you making up your mind, I'm not going to talk in agreement with this world. I'm going to talk in agreement with what God has said. And so, all that matters then at that point is finding out what He said. If we know what He thinks about these things, then we can just get on to agreement with Him. And that, write this down if you don't have this already. To confess simply means to say the same thing about. When we talk about confessing your sin, say the same thing God says about your sin. But how many know we shouldn't be hung up forever on our sin? Why? Because you're no longer a sinner saved by grace, you're a saint and you're a righteous person who sometimes chooses to sin. Selah. Say it, I am no longer a sinner saved by grace. That's, that's what He has already done in your life. Your name is not maybe going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's not maybe building you a place in Heaven. He's not maybe your father. He is. And Scripture calls you a saint or a separated one or a consecrated one. You are exactly what the Word of God says you are. But you'd be amazed how many people still run around calling themselves weak, worms of the dust, black-hearted sinners. That's what you used to be. Now you're a saint. And now you have the gift of righteousness working on the inside of you. And that righteousness is pushing you to choose right, live right, do right. So if a saint who is full of the Holy Ghost, say, that's me, Full of the Word of God. If on any given day you sin, it's not because the devil made you do it. No. You are a saint, a righteous person who chose to do it. That's the difference. You see, how does that work? Before you gave your life to Christ, you had no choice. Dogs bark, fish swim, birds fly, people sin. You see the difference? 
before you were born again, right, everything was driving you to compromise what God's standard is. Now, righteousness is pushing you in the other direction. Do you realize you have to overcome the blood, the love of God, amen, righteousness, the goodness of God, to trample on all those things to choose to sin? Yes. See, every force now is working against you not to sin. When you were, you know, before you were born again, everything was driving you to sin. So you have to understand this. It's critical that we learn to say the same thing that God says about our sin, but not just our sin, to say the same thing God says about your healing, or say the same thing He says about your finances, or say the same thing He says about your destiny, or say the same thing about your abundance, your prosperity, your increase. If you won't agree with Him, you can't have what He said you can have. Even if you do a lot of these good things in the hope that you're doing, everybody saying, I'm a believer. I'm doing these things. I'm walking this out. I hope now that tithing and giving is just automatic for you. There's no fight. Amen. Come on, hear me. There's no fight. There's no argument. There's no discussion. You just, boom, it's, it's time for me. God has increased me, and I'm just going to do this. And when it becomes like that, you're, you're demonstrating your, your faith and your confidence in God to take care of you. How I many you know He does care about you? Make a difference what season you're in or where you're at right now. His promises have never changed. But our job is to take Him literally at face value, believe what He said, and act on it. And part of that is learning to control what is coming out of your mouth. Now write this down. The first key is to fill your heart with the Word of God because out of the abundance of the heart, Matthew 12:33, what happens? The mouth speaks. So I can tell you all day long, talk the Word, agree with God, but if you don't change the contents of your heart, what's going to happen? You're going to continue to say the things you've always said, continue to repeat the things you've always repeated. So. What you want to do is make sure you're in a position to actually live this, this principle out. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are where? In the power of the tongue, and they who indulge it shall eat the fruit of it. Now, how many people served in the armed forces in this room? You can just raise your hand if you serve anywhere. Praise the Lord. Thank God for all of you. Amen. We'll never stop thanking God for you. But uh, you and I know and understand this principle. If, uh, if uh, an authority, an officer, or a commander gave you an order, then now you have a thing called what? Delegated authority to carry that out. If their commander told your commander to do something, and you maybe have a, a platoon, or you have a small group of soldiers under you, now you have delegated authority that goes all the way back to the top commander to do exactly what was told to do. And you and I are the same way in the things of God. Your mouth has delegated power. I want you to think about that. It's so easy to say, well, if God did this, and if God did that, and if God would say this, if God would do this. But your tongue has got divine delegated authority to it. What are we using that for? Are we using that for us or against us? Are we using that for people or against people? Say it with me, it's divine delegated authority. To do what? To bring life or death. Now, you're not going to get... Um, the fullness of life because you said something one time. You're not going to get the fullness of death because you said something one time. But how do you understand, you and I are creatures of habit. Yeah. And we become, we develop in these areas, and we tend to trend towards using the mouth correctly or using the mouth incorrectly. And we kind of got into this last week, but I want you to understand that what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're, we're on top of each of these factors. Say it one more time, walking in God's ways, walking in the truth. How many know the truth is not what the world says? There is no such thing as my truth and your truth. Well, you got your truth, and I got my truth, and let's just all live together, and love is love, praise the Lord. No, 
Not all truth is truth, and not all love is love. Truth is what? Truth. There's only one measure of truth. So when we say walking in the ways of God, walking in the truth, that's what we're talking about. So say it, I walk in the truth. And I'm diligent. Steady application to the business of God, right? I'm faithful. I have fidelity towards the Lord. He has my heart constantly. I'm not committing spiritual adultery on Him. Can I have an amen? Can I have a better amen? I'm tithing. And I'm sowing. And I'm a believing believer. When I see a promise, a command, a challenge, a rebuke, a correction, I don't choke. I go, I go, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Isn't that right, Jamie? I say, I want some more. <laughs> you know, I want, I'm a, why? Because I'm a believer. I'm not going to choke on the promises of God after everything He has done to preserve this word for us. I'm going to say, okay, that's me. He's talking about me right there. Now, the seventh principle is to understand if you now will talk consistently with those principles and those behaviors, you're going to begin to see the factors fulfilled in what we call perpetual increase in your life. God just doesn't want you to increase every blue moon here, every once in a while. He wants you to be steady in your application as your diligence goes, but He also wants you to be steadily increasing in all areas of life. We need to be wiser tomorrow than we were a year ago. Does that make sense? more discerning tomorrow than we were even last week, and you can increase in every area of your life, including financially. Now, write this word down, and then we'll jump off of here into some new things tonight, proficiency. Whenever you teach on this, and, and sometimes people have gotten really, really uptight over the principle or the revelation, understand this is a revelation. You either get it from God directly from the Spirit of God by His Word, or you don't, or you dismiss it. My mouth has nothing to do with my life. My mouth has nothing to do with where I am. My mouth has nothing to do with the things that have happened in my life. Well, keep lying to yourself. Because you and I create a world because of delegated power of the Yod or the right hand of God. The right hand of God, the power of the right hand of God is in your mouth. Can you believe that? Yes. Delegated power. Now, whenever you hear someone say that or teach this, that we build the world we're living in with the things that we say. Automatically, somebody goes to the extreme as if they were 100% proficient already with this principle. And that's not true. You haven't dug the hole yourself, and you haven't completely gotten there on the positive side yet. But you're moving forward, aren't you, church? You're becoming more proficient. Now, use the illustration, you know, what do you call somebody who, who uh, strikes out, you know, 67% of the time at the batting, at the batting's box. A Hall of Famer. That is somebody who's going to hit over 3,000 hits over the course of their career if they stay healthy, and they're going to put him in the Hall of Fame. You see what I'm saying to you? We know somebody that gets up in a bowling alley is not going to get a strike every single time. But if they stay at it, what's going to happen? They're going to get more strikes and more strikes, and their handicap's going to change. And the same thing on the golf course. Well, that's not true. I've been golfing for years, and I know better than when I started. So, bad example. My dad is 87 years old. He still goes out there. He hits all the fairways. 87 years old, has one eye and one good leg, and he still beats me. It's embarrassing. I'm telling you, there's just no other word for it. So, bad example, golf. Some things you pick up, you're just going to stink all your life. You might as well just accept that. Uh, if you're musically inclined, then you appreciate that. If you're not, then you appreciate people who are, but you know that you're never going to be some great you know, music talent in this earth. That's okay. Amen? That's okay, because like with Mark Randall, you know, there's a box somewhere between here and heaven. And when we praise God, 
that goes through this box and it sounds wonderful to God's ears. Uh, it's some kind of a some kind of a transitional device that when we praise Him, it sounds wonderful. And trust me, Mark Randall needed that. Two things I know about Mark right now: he's singing like an angel and eating all the cheese he can possibly eat right now in heaven. That's the absolute case. I haven't up the big time up there in heaven. Glory to God. But the point is, how many of y'all believe we're supposed to live holy, separated lives? Yes. Raise your hand if you believe that. Is that still the Word of God? Yes. yes, it's not popular today in the modern church to talk about that, but God wants us to be separated so that He can use us. That's the whole point. Vessels unto honor. And the Bible says it's not God that makes us one or chooses us to be a gold pot or a clay pot. We decide by choosing to what? To cleanse ourselves according to the Word of God. So, yes. But how many can admit tonight with a raised hand that you're not as holy as you should be? just want to make sure that I don't have to have an altar call right here on this cold, hard floor, glory to God. <laughs> but would you say that you are more sanctified now than you were 10 years ago? Well, I've been here long enough to know, you know, pretty much, you know, every family in this church, and I can tell you where a lot of them were and where their kids were, where maybe their marriage was, and I can tell you that's the absolute case. You stay on the Word of God long enough, it's going to change you. All you have to do is just let it do, do its work. It's supernatural seed. It's going to change you. It's going to make you into something that's a, it's a far cry from what you were. And that's the whole point. When it comes to the principle of confession, the use of the tongue strategically to turn your life in the direction it's supposed to go, I don't expect you to be 100% proficient now. Does that make sense? Now, one day you're going to be. Now, just because you're 100% not, you know, 100% proficient doesn't mean you shouldn't get up to bat. The point is, you're going to have more of His blessing, more of His increase, more of His goodness, more of everything the Word promises if you will learn to direct your mouth in the direction of the Word of God consistently. Does that mean every single thing? No, because you're not 100% proficient when yet. How many believe you're supposed to walk in love? I mean, know that uh, we probably can't say we're 100% proficient in staying in love right now. Because every once in a while, somebody will come across your path and just absolutely aggravate you. <laughs> Look at all the agreement, amen. Anybody know somebody like that, that the devil just loves to use to get under your skin? They could even be in your household, they could be one of your kids, they could be somebody you work with. It doesn't make any difference, but... You know, you, you're definitely not where you were. You Maybe in the past you would have taken their head off, or you would have given them what's left of a piece of your mind, whatever the case may be. But now you're, you're more loving, you're more kind, you're quick to go to God, and if you do blow it, you're quick to repent. So should we just stop walking in love at all because we can't master it perfectly right now? We should just give up. We should just walk in hatred and just spew this garbage. Right? We treat everybody like garbage because we're not 100% proficient in love. Look at somebody say, that's a dumb idea. You'd be amazed, though, how many people would say, well, since I can't be 100% proficient with my mouth, I'm just not going to do it at all. That's just as dumb. Oh, so I, I shouldn't try to walk in holiness. I shouldn't try to walk in love. I shouldn't get up to bat just because I'm not going to get a home run every time I get up to bat. I'll tell you this, if you don't get up there, you're never going to get a hit. That's right. 
You're never going to know the pleasure of putting your mouth and the Word of God in agreement on something and seeing God bring that thing to pass. And in here in the heavenly chair, you knocked it out of the park. I'd love to tell you that every single time you're going to knock it out of the park. But we haven't gotten there yet. And as I said last week in other occasions, if we were 100% proficient, imagine if right now we were just like Jesus where He just speaks to the fig tree or whatever He wants to do, He releases His mouth and there's healing, there's victory. Would you, could you imagine with the rest of us, because we're not 100% sanctified yet, if we called people certain things? Like get out, cut off you know, on the road and call somebody a jerk, what's going to happen? That person is literally going to jerk the rest of their lives. And it won't be from Parkinson's, it'll be because you said they were a jerk. And you're 100% proficient. Amen? What if you really got under, somebody got in your skin and you, and you said to somebody, go to hell? Guess what would happen? You're 100% proficient with your words. You need to have the character to back up your proficiency. Amen? Raise your hand if you ever said something you wish you could take back. Now think about this. What if you were at that moment 100% proficient in what you said? Have you ever spoke to somebody, got upset with them, and you spoke to them in absolutes? You always. Right? And the implication is you weren't complimenting them. You always this, 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 this. Well, guess what? If you were 100% proficient, they would be damned the rest of their lives to what? always or you never amen that'd be the end of it so when you think about it that way we need to make sure that our proficiency with our words is keeping step with our sanctification and our development and our character amen does that make sense to you so you know i got an email from somebody and they were making fun of this you know you said that the tongue is is like the steering wheel where the bible calls the tongue like the rudder of a ship and it's exactly where the ship goes is based on where the rudder is it's based on whoever controls that rudder and a naval vessel it's a little more complicated than sticking your hand on a rudder and a little big you know john boat but the principle is what it's the same whoever controls that rudder controls the direction and since we most of us don't go around you know putting around in, in motorboats all day long but we do drive cars guess what whoever has the steering wheel Controls their life going. So this person wrote back and they said, uh, Yeah, well, this happened to me, and 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 you said it was all my fault because of what I said. That's not what I said then, and guess what? That's not what I'm saying right now. Why do that? Because they weren't 100% proficient then, and they're probably not 100% proficient now. There are other factors involved. Turn to somebody and tell them there are other factors than just your mouth. I'm going to say it again. There are other factors than just my mouth. Now, that doesn't mean you sit on your spiritual hiney and don't apply the principles. But since there are other factors, and I can just talk however I want to, yeah, and you'll get what you say. Does that make sense? You'll become proficient on the other side of this thing, and that's not what God wants you to be. I didn't say this. The Word says this. The power of life and death, what? Is in the tongue. God told His people in Deuteronomy, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now what? Now choose life. Now there are certain people I believe in Scripture that were further proficient maybe than some of us. And even today in this world, there are people that are further down the road than we are. But that shouldn't say to us, well, what's the point if we can't see this thing work 100% of the time? There's nothing you're doing in Christianity right now that you have 100% perfect record on. Nothing. So why in the world would you assume, right, in this one area 
that if I just take this, take up this revelation, that it's going to work for me 100% of the time. It could work for you 100% of the time. The problem is not the Word. The problem is we're not just inundated and, and, and affected by this one principle. There are many at play here. And that's why we talk about the seven factors of supernatural increase. And guess what? Not the one factor of supernatural increase. For example, I can go around all day long saying, you know what? I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. The favor of God is on my life. I'm blessed and highly favored of God. Hallelujah. I'm loving people. I'm walking in the Word of God. I am blessed. Hallelujah. And never give, give God a dime. Are you going to increase the way God wants you to? Can you see that? You're saying the right thing, but you don't have a foundation of what the principles of God actually say. Now imagine I get that person to understand, be the tither, be the giver, and now you get your mouth in line with those faith-filled behaviors. Yes, everything can begin to change in your life. Well, I tithe for two weeks and I said it three times a day for a week, nothing changed. Well, take a number. <laughs> And that person, because of the unrenewed mind and the immaturity of heart, will say these things don't work. They do work. Let me have your hands again if you are more holy today than you were five, ten years ago. Amen. If you can't raise your hand, you and I need to have a powwow right afterwards and <laughs> talk about <laughs> why you're sliding the other way <laughs> instead of moving forward. Amen. How many say that you've learned a lot about offense and bitterness and forgiveness and you're walking more in love now than you were in the past? That's a good thing, isn't it? But does that mean you're perfect? No. You all can probably tell the story tonight in the past month how somebody aggravated you and maybe you could have handled it <laughs> a little bit better. Can I have an amen? Just maybe a little bit better. What does that mean God's done with you? No. It's just to point out to you that every spiritual principle, you know, really does intersect with the concept of proficiency. You say, well, I don't hear that in a lot of Word of Faith or Pentecostal or Charismatic circles. That's not my problem. I'm concerned about that. But if you're going to get a, a true foundational teaching of what it means to be a Word person, you do need to hear that. You need to hear there are multiple factors and variables that affect your receiving from God, not just what you say. Now that said, I don't want to diminish the power of this principle because this principle can take you to places you've never been before. Amen. Go back to Romans 10, 9 and 10 for a moment. Because Romans 10 reminds us that uh, God doesn't have 15 systems for receiving from God. How many does He have? One. One. When you found Romans 10, say, I found it. I found it. Look at uh, verse 8. But what does it say? The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Uh, there it is. That one sentence, that one scripture is worth anything we can possibly ascribe value to it. It is supernatural in its implication. It is powerful for every area and dimension of our lives. It's how we get saved. It's how we receive from God. If there is if there's word in our heart and word in our mouth, it's going to change everything. Yep. I notice it can't just be in the heart. No. And it just can't be in the mouth. 
In other words, you can't be a little parrot running around because you heard somebody say something that was a faith statement, so you want to have what they have or you want to be like them. You have to have the revelation. It has to be in your heart. There has to be some time put in to put the Word of God in abundance, and so the Word come out in abundance. But it says, the Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. So we know that, that whatever victory we're going to have, it's because of our association with the Word. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Now write that phrase down, word of faith. It did not come from Tulsa. It did not come, you know, from Brother Hagen. It came from Paul. Say it with me. It came from Paul. He coined the phrase under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to point out how faith works. How does faith operate? How do you receive from God? That's all that means. It, it will tell you that it's not the silent word. Can I have an amen? It, it's not the word we don't know. Right? It's not the unspoken word, but it is the word of faith. It's the word that lines up, of course, with the word and produces and, uh, you know, actually releases faith. And here it is. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. If the word is near us, then our solution is not a thousand miles from us. It's not on the other side of the town or somewhere and in somebody's decision, if so-and-so would do what I want, then everything would be great. Guess what? The solution is on, on the inside of you because the kingdom of God is where? It's within us. It's not out there. Aren't you glad? Amen. If, you can, if you can get into the Word, you can solve anything going on in your life. Amen. The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart that is the Word of faith we are proclaiming. We are proclaiming. What did, pre, what did Paul and the other apostles proclaim? The word of faith. Wow. What did they proclaim? They proclaimed how we tap into the supernatural and eternal benefits of God, starting with salvation through the principles of believing in the heart and what? Saying with the mouth. Write that phrase down, word of faith, and I want you to put this definition next to it. All that means is the consistent putting of the Word of God in the heart and saying it out of the mouth. The emphasis on both is important when it comes to this phrase. And that's what they preached and that's what they taught. Uh, some people just think it's the name of a group or the name of a movement or the name of those, those crazy people over there, or those heretics over there. Well, if you're a heretic, then you're in good company. Amen. Go ahead and assign me with Paul anytime you want to. Amen. I'll take that slight. Yes, amen. That if you what? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. In other words, confession is made unto salvation. So if I put the Word of God in my heart and I say it out of my mouth, confession, that confession of what I believe in my heart is actually making something. This is no different than how God operated in Genesis. You know what? It's no different how God operates today. I thank God that He has mercy on us and God will with His mouth create a solution for us. But He wants you to know that you are made in His image. He wants you to know that you can create a solution. But you got to grow up. Because it comes a time where you say, oh God, create a solution. Oh God, use your, use your mouth, use your heart, God, and create something like you did in Genesis. Fix my life to it. 
And he's like, I'm compassionate, I'm gracious. He answers prayer. But there comes a time when he wants you to function the way he made you to function. We talked about the breath of God and the breath of a human being, what the, when the importance of, and the purpose of breath is. Do you remember when God brought the animals to Adam? Do you know what he did? According to the sages and according to Jewish historians, their understanding is that God brought carcasses to Adam. Here's a leopard carcass, and a deer carcass, and a bear carcass. Mm -hmm. And he breathed the breath of life as God's region on the earth, made in his image. And whatever he named them, guess what they were named? That's right. A dog is a dog today because blame it on Adam. If you have some weird named animal, like a, like a sloth or something like that. I don't know what God was thinking when he made a sloth. I don't have any idea. Other than make some cartoons from it, but you know, there he goes. And some of those are strange looking animals. But what happened to the carcass? How could he breathe into a carcass the breath of life unless he had received the breath of life? Do you know you have the same breath on the inside of you? It's just most, most human beings never get around to understanding the purpose of breath, the purpose of their authority, what they're supposed to be doing. That never changed. Do you see how damaged we are? People talk about being, I'm damaged mentally. I'm damaged emotionally. I'm, I'm damaged because of what I've been through. You know what we're mostly damaged of? We're damaged spiritually. The things that are trying to die in your life, things that are trying to go by the wayside, like dreams or whatever, and visions, you have the ability to use that breath and breathe life into those things. But all the time we've trained ourselves where we're just, you know, born again, going to heaven one day, and, and if something's going to be created, God's going to have to do it with His breath. And all the time He's saying, you know what? I want some of my people to pick up on this. I want my people to grow up. Does that make sense? Can God make something for you? Yeah. Raise your hand if God ever made something for you, a solution, a way where there was no way. Yes. But do you know as his regent made in his image with the same breath, with the same word in your heart, with the same word coming out of your mouth, you could be creating these solutions? See, to, to get over the damage spiritually, it's not enough to be born again. The mind has to be renewed. We have to go through the process of God retraining us to discover who we are. And I, I like in Revelation, I mean, I like those moments where Revelation just hits you in the head. You know, it's like, I could have had a V8, but it was a positive thing. You know, you, you finally grabbed onto something spiritually. Um, it's like an aha moment. It's like this. You catch a glimpse, even for a moment, of what God originally designed you to be. And then we go right back into the world, right back into natural things, right back into everyday life, and then we lose that little glimpse. What you want to do is get into the Word, stay in the Word, and don't lose that glimpse. God gives you a revelation tonight that you should not just be petitioning God to create solutions. You should be using the Word in your heart and your mouth to create solutions as well. Um, that's going to come to you, and it's going to be preserved by time in the Word of God and holding on to it. I like to say that it's, it's easy to do, but we don't live in a bubble. Revelation can slip on you. Anybody here know a revelation that may have slipped on you? Well, I tell you what, uh, that's not altogether horrible as long as you recognize it and then do something about it.
What have you given up on? What promise have you given up on? What have you backed away from because of hard times or challenges or whatever? You say, what was the devil trying to do? That very thing. He's trying to squash that little glimpse you had. One day we're going to know. We're going we're to be like he is. We're going to operate like he is. Uh, throughout eternity, you won't have to worry about that anymore. But right now, spiritually, we're still working in progress. So what I want to be in five years is more proficient with my words than I am right now. I want to be able to see creative things happening because of what the, the Word says, more so in five years than I am right now. Does that make sense? Uh, that's a given. When you slip onto the other side, you're going to have instant proficiency. Those people that are in heaven right now that we love, that we know they're born again, they're with Jesus, the only thing they lack is a glorified body. Every other part of their existence is glorified right now. Can you think of that? Your mama is completely glorified except for her body right now. Outstanding. She's thinking at a level she never did before, feeling at a level she never did before, functioning at a level. Same thing with Ken. I mean, that's just what the Word of God says. But you and I, guess what? We're still dum-dums at every level, <laughs> including the physical. So don't feel sorry for people that have made that trip in advance of you. Um, they now have instant proficiency. Well, there's coming a day. Yes. Amen. Amen. When the trump will sound and the dead in Christ arise first. And we which remain, everybody say we. we. Won't that be cool if you're part of that we? And we which remain will be what? Caught up together in the clouds with the Lord, and so shall we ever be. But a funny thing happens when that body comes up out of the ground, guess what happens to it? The nature of its flesh is forever changed, a glorified body. Instant proficiency physically. That's the only thing the dead in Christ lack right now. You and I like proficiency in every category. Does that make sense? So when you hear you know, people talk about using your words to increase your health, using your words to increase your peace, using your words to increase yourself financially, using your, your words to increase your wisdom. Don't think that this is somehow a magic wand. No. Amen? What it means is I'm getting up to bat, guess what? I'm batting 350, 400, amen, 10 years, maybe batting 600. People like Smith Wigglesworth, what do you think they batted? I wish that's the case. Documented. Smith Wigglesworth would walk into a room, literally raise the dead, walk out of the room and double over in kidney stone pain so bad he couldn't even breathe. So explain that to me. But I don't have to explain that to you. I'm not God. <laughs> and I don't know about his level of proficiency. For us. It's not uncommon for us to have proficiency for other people and lack it for ourselves. We're all works in progress. Does that make sense? But I can tell you this, the man was in the Word all the time. The man lived out this principle of applied holiness or righteousness, walking in separation unto, unto God, and he prayed in the Holy Ghost all the time. In other words, what I'm saying to you, there are some things that will increase your proficiency when it comes to increase, and praying in the Holy Ghost is one of them. Why do you think the devil fights us so much? He can't afford you and I batting 600. He can't afford us batting 700. 
So he will tell you and use people to lie against you and say all manner of things. These things have passed away. They're of the devil. Well, if I were the devil, I'd do the exact same thing. I can't afford people being what? That proficient with their words. Why is, why is tongue such a factor in terms of increase, in terms of, you know, the mouth? Because tongues puts your mouth under subjection. You can't speak unbelief and speak in tongues at the same time. You can't do it. Every word you say in tongues comes to pass. Every word you utter in tongues lines up with the Word of God. Every single time. That's not true when you and I speak in English most of the time. Or Aspen speak in Spanish. It doesn't make any difference. We're not 100% proficient in our native tongue. But when you speak in tongues... You are, do you see this? A glimpse of what it means to be 100% proficient. And the devil will do everything to tell you that doesn't matter, it's worthless, it's not a part of what we are, it's passed away, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because he doesn't want you to have something that will not only increase your proficiency with your mouth, but increase proficiency in every other area of, of your life. This is a big deal. People get a, uh, a wrong teaching here and get real discouraged when everything doesn't work out just perfectly in their lives. Here, here's what I'm saying to you. You're getting more results. You're seeing more healings, more victories, more increase, more power believing this way than believing things that God said. Amen? And instead of believing what religion has to say about that. You understand this? You're getting more results. In other words, you're getting more hits than if you did not believe this way. Good. Well, as for me, I'm just going to keep on believing this way because I've already seen it work. Yes. Amen. Yes. In fact, you know, Kelly and I are going into a season of great victory. Amen. Yes. So everything's been perfect for you and Kelly. Everything just works out for Pastor and his family. Never have a challenge. Never have a challenge. Are you kidding me? Remember all the Miracle Sunday we had a few years ago? We had all of our sites come together, and we literally prayed, and we fasted, and we taught our miracles for eight or nine. Remember that? Mm -hmm. On a Sunday night, the power of God showed up. I mean, people that couldn't have kids ended up having kids. People had breakthroughs left and right. That very Saturday morning, my wife literally got out of bed and fell on the ground and couldn't even straighten up because a disc about the size, uh, a piece of a disc about the size of a cornflake broke off and sat up on her nerve, and she couldn't even function. That led to... You know, therapy after therapy after therapy and situation after situation after situation. I'm telling you, if we were 100% proficient, hallelujah, we probably would have a different uh, outcome for that. But I can tell you this, no matter what your level of proficiency is, you don't have to quit. Amen. You control that, the perseverance part of it. So when she finally finished her, her PhD at Regent University, we went down there a couple years ago for her graduation. When she finally, you know, finished up her program, and, uh, you know, when they called her name to put her hood on her and, and, and congratulate her, I mean, she was really overcome, you know, with emotion. But then when they announced that she had won dissertation of the year, out of the entire class in that particular field, it was, it was just a staggering, stunning moment. And one of the first things the dean said, it was scholarship, you know, it was integrity, it was research. But they also talked about perseverance in that list of things as why they were awarding people different things. I'm telling you, just because you aren't as proficient today doesn't mean you have to quit. Amen. Some word of faith people have 100% proficiency in every area or I quit. Mm -hmm. Well, be honest about it. You've not been 100% proficient in any area of Christianity. Mm 
Why would you judge yourself on this one area and then give up and quit? I will promise you this, if you won't quit, if you get back in the batter's box, you'll be amazed what God can do. Everybody in this room can talk about the opposition of the enemy. We don't live in a bubble. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to absolutely defeat us and lie to us. And if you buy into that, you find yourself making mistakes or going down the wrong path, even if it's mentally. How many understand sometimes physically we're on the path, but mentally we're not there? Emotionally, we're not there. Everybody has done that from time to time. But guess what? Here you are. Say with me, I'm not a quitter. You do not have the anointing of quit. Amen. You have the anointing of not quit. That's who you are. So understand this. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to swing. You're going to miss sometimes. And how many saying? We're not talking about God missing. We're not talking about the word missing. Get this deep into your spirit. If there's a problem, it's not with God. And it's not with the word. So that leaves... Point to your neighbor and say, he's absolutely talking about you right now. That leaves you. Now that guy behind you <laughs> in the other room. Say with me, it's not God. It's not the Word. It's what? It's me. But listen very carefully, okay? I feel really strongly impressed to, to make sure you walk out of this room tonight having this deep into your spirit. When I say it's you, that's not pejorative. I'm simply underscoring the simple principle that you have not arrived. And if I walk around acting like I have, what do they call that? It's pride. Yes. Say it, I haven't arrived. <laughs> but I'm getting there. I'm not as, you know, as proficient as I want to be. But I'm a whole lot more proficient today than I was years ago in a lot of different areas. Amen. And can I tell you something? There's something to be said for becoming proficient and not being a quitter. Do you know what happens if you get into the habit of quit? It'll impact every area of your life. Do you know that, that quitting that first time, it's so much easier to quit what? The second time. Now, why not turn that around and say, you know what? If I don't quit the first time, it's going to be easier not to quit the second time. Well, Pastor, I don't want a second time. I just want to get over this. Well, I'm not going to tell you that you're never going to have another challenge. In this world, the Bible says, you will have trouble or tribulation. But what? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Scripture says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Even our faith in God. Even the Word, of course, living live on the inside. What does that tell you? It tells you that there's going to be a tussle. There'll be a war. There'll be a battle. But if you don't quit, what's going to happen? Amen. Now, listen, you can't just get a little inner tube and float on the lazy river till Jesus comes and say, when He comes, then I'll be proficient. Because you have no idea the damage you're doing not resisting. Write this down. When it comes to these principles, the devil loves to get people in a place of non-resistance. One of the most powerful things I ever heard Jerry Seville teacher talk about was a sermon about the canoe. Anybody remember this one? Yeah. Everybody is doing what? Just going down with the river, with the stream. And they got smiles on their faces and they're not even breaking a sweat. And here comes you up the river. Paddling, and you're making progress, but you're certainly not going as fast as the guys coming down the other way. Well, what are you doing? You're believing, and you're praying, and you're confessing, 
and you're giving and you're sowing, amen. And you're on the truth and you're diligent and you're faithful. And here they come by. They're smiling, laughing, having a good old time going down the world's way. But here's you sweating and a huffing and a puffing. And you're doing what? And you're rolling. And you're rolling. And you look behind you and sometimes your own family's not rolling with you. Would you pick up the paddle, bless God, and let's do this together. And you're rolling. It'd be so easy for you to do what? All you have to do is just put the paddle down and it's game over. You will float on down. It will look like, well, there's no more resistance now. But guess what? There's no abundant life down there either. There's no more than a conqueror down there either. There's no more victory in Jesus then. There's no more prosperity. There's no more increase. There's no more doing it God's way. Yes, you can just put the paddle down. You know what the Holy Ghost is saying to us tonight? Keep the paddle in your hand. Does that make sense? And just 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 dig into that water with a verse on your mouth and a praise in your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost again over here and just keep going. You know what? You never know when you're going to get to the bend in the river where everything just breaks through in your life. You got around that bend, you wouldn't quit. Everybody else seems like they're having a great time floating on down with religion in the world and just easy. But you're, you're applying yourself. You refuse to put that paddle down. I just wonder what's around the bend in the river for you. Say, I'm not a quitter. Say, I am proficient in not quitting. Another word for that would be stubborn. Like an old, like an old mule. You know, there's a reason why they, uh, you know, use mules in the mountains, not horses. Did you know that mules are stubborn if they don't want to do something? Did you know mules are just as stubborn when they want to do something? They'll pull a haul, they'll pull a pack, they will pull when a lot of strong breed horses that were just bred for labor give out. Why would that be? There's something in the nature. That makes sense? Now, guess what? That mule will never be. It'll never be a thoroughbred. You can cut its ears. <laughs> you can, you know, do everything you can to the coat. Whatever you want to do, put it in the gate. What's going to happen race time? It probably won't even go out of the gate. You think I'm going out of the gate? No, I'm not going out of the gate. I don't want to. You know, uh, be a mule to the devil. Be a mule on the things of God in a positive way. Set your mind. That's why when it comes to packs and loads and, and distances over rough terrain, that's a much better pick for now. If you're a Gunsmoke fan, you know why. That's why Festus had a mule and not a horse. Because Festus was a mountain man. Matthew. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, a mule. What did you learn Wednesday night? Be a mule for Jesus. Glory to God. So does it work? Yes. Is it working for you 100% of the time? Not at this point, but it's working a whole lot more than you think it is. And tomorrow, more. And next week, more. Next year, more. And on and on it goes. Now there's a reason for this. Say it with me. I'm growing in proficiency. In my love walk. In holiness. In believing God. In increasing. In Speaking the Word of God. Now maybe you can remember a time you're more excited about it, you're more diligent. All you have to do is just repent and keep on going now. And this idea that God's upset with you and disappointed with you and doesn't want anything to do with you and somehow has written you off, it's just a lie. You can't do anything to get God to write you off. 
But there are two things that, that will certainly separate you from his favor. One is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you don't understand something about the Holy Ghost, keep your mouth shut. Don't put yourself in agreement with the devil about the, the work of God, attributing to the devil the work of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that, that there are a lot of people, and I don't see anybody in this room doing this, but in this world right now, and some people in the body of Christ, they, they appointed themselves as judges over every other ministry. They're the policeman of the church, blah, blah, blah. This spirit in this culture of canceling, God doesn't cancel anyone, but he will cancel the canceler. The group that's in danger right now being canceled by God are not the people making mistakes. It's the one doing all the canceling. They've taken on the persona of the man who owed, what, a million dollars, and his master forgave him. Then he came and he found somebody else in the culture and society, in the entertainment, in the church, in the government, wherever, and he owed a $20 bill. What happened when the master found out about that? Look at somebody and say, the master always finds out. Come on, say it. The master always finds out. You do not want to be a part of this cancel culture. You don't want to be like that. You want to be merciful. When he found out, the master took and reinstituted the man's entire debt. That day, the man who would cancel another was canceled. Now, unlike blasphemy, there's repentance for being a canceler. As long as you're still above ground when you do it. There is no repentance for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. These are the two biggest factors of somebody absolutely you know, walking in disfavor. But he is not upset with you. Right. Amen? Just because you haven't arrived, you're not perfect yet. He's not done with you just because you're not perfectly proficient. Turn to somebody and say, I am getting there. And tell them, you're going with me in Jesus' name, because I'm not going alone. Come on, tell them, I'm not paddling alone. Hey, how much fun would it be if all of us got in canoes and paddled up the river? And then when one got tired, you can do this. Amen, here's a sandwich. Hey, you can do this. Or just do it by yourself. You know, when none of us are right. No, we all need to be paddling up the same river. The river of faith and joy and peace and victory. Hallelujah. I want to give you some principles about your words. And write this down. We live in a word-ruled environment or atmosphere. We live in a word-ruled in a, in a word universe. That means that uh, it's upheld by God's mighty power. It's upheld by His Word. And we need to understand that, that this is not some weird teaching or weird doctrine. It's, it's how God does what He does. Words are spiritual, which means they're supernatural. It means they carry things. Say it with me. My words, My words. Carry, things. carry things. They, they are like containers or transport vehicles. They can transport things into your life. They can transport things out of your life. Uh, it's important that we get used to seeing words as more than just natural. Just having a conversation. We're just shooting the breeze. No, they matter. Turn to somebody and say, words matter. Because we're like God, man has the unique ability to choose at will his words and speak them. There is no other creation that has that ability. No matter what you've been told by the world, you're not derived from a species that crawled out of the ocean and eventually flew and eventually began to grow legs and walk on this, this earth and swing from the vines. No, you started out in the image of God. Amen. We didn't evolve in the garden. We devolved. Right. We fell. And now we're in the process of seeing that rebuilt in our lives. But now we have the ability, just like we did then. 
to speak words at will, fashion and form them for our benefit. Uh, faith-filled words out of our mouth release the spiritual power to change things in our lives. Now keep in mind the proficiency principle here. But if you will keep at this, you will see a lot of things happen that you wouldn't normally see happening. In Psalm 45, 1, the Bible says, My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. How do you write on the heart of a human being? You do it with the mouth. The mouth is the pen. And then once, once it's on your heart, it begins to change everything in you and through you. The Word is the seed of the supernatural. We've talked about this, and the heart is the ground. The mouth is the sowing mechanism. How many of you want to have a lot of seed out there? Amen. Keep sowing with your mouth. Keep speaking the Word of God. Keep putting the Word of God out there, and you'll see it deposit in your heart and bring a harvest on the outside. Here's a principle for you. You, you get to eat what you speak. <laughs> if you don't like what you're eating, change what you've been speaking. From the abundance of a mouth, or the words of a mouth, uh, a man is filled with every good thing, Scripture says. There's a couple of Scriptures for that, Proverbs 12, 14, and 13, 2. So the first thing to do is clean up your mouth. Amen. If your heart's been filled with a bunch of junk, that's not going to be necessarily easy to do. But how many can, can tell when you're not talking right? Talking crosswise with the Word of God or talking in an impure manner? If you can't say anything good for a while, what should you do? Invest in $1.29, roll of duct tape at Dollar General. That'll help you out for a while. If we see you with duct tape on, we'll know what you're doing. We won't judge you. We know you're working on something. We'll say at least you have the guts to deal with it. Amen. But there are a lot of Christians that are they're not paying attention to the purity of their mouth. They still gossip. People's names are not safe in their mouth. Can I help you out here? You get around a Christian who's a professing Christian, and you find out that the names of other people are not safe in their mouth, get away from them. That, that is not a friend. I'll tell you why. Because when you get away from them, your name won't be safe in their mouth either. And you're deceived if you think otherwise. That they'll talk about others to you, but somehow leave you alone. The reason they're talking about others to you is because they have a character flaw. And I've seen people for years do this. When I first got here in college, I was invited over to, to someone's house and they had a few people over there. And guess what they had? They had the pastor for lunch. Do you know what I did? I was just a baby Christian. I never allowed myself to be influenced by those people. Not a day then, to this day, I won't be influenced by somebody who has a spiritual leader for lunch. The pastor was my pastor. He's a wonderful person. Not perfect, but he's pretty close. You can tell him I said so. <laughs> and he comes through every once in a while, and he's with us, you know, and he speaks. But there, his name was not safe in their mouth. And you know what I learned way back then? No one else's either. Who's on the menu tomorrow night? Who's on the menu next week? Who's on the menu next? Who knows? You cannot grow hanging around that nonsense. No. Amen? No. Turn to somebody and say, your name is safe in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Gossip and slander, speaking doubt, fear, speaking unbelief. Um, you know, an overcrowded heart tends to be filled with these kinds of things. But also a lot of slang going on in the body of Christ. What is slang? Slang is a socially acceptable substitute for something that we would consider normally inappropriate. And there are a lot of them out there. 
if you're not careful, it's so common in our culture that, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it just pervades everything. Uh, we're not of that. We can express ourselves in a way that doesn't involve what? Yeah. Been sensitive to, you know, to this uh, for years, but only the Spirit of God can make you sensitive to it. And say, you know what, that's not like going to make the, the world fall down or anything, but I, I kind of expect more from you than that. A higher standard for your, for your mouth than that. Because if you're loose with that stuff, you'll probably give yourself license in other areas as well. Um, I remember that, um, you know, we're in a world and it's everywhere. You, you know, you, you talked about the, the military environment over there that, that you work with. I mean, you learn how to cuss if you're in the military. If you don't know, you know how by the time you're left. And when I was in Iowa City one time as a 12-year-old for the summer, intentional swim camp, all the college students, everybody cussed like sailors. Isn't that right? They cuss, you know what the phrase is? They cuss like sailors. And, uh, yeah, three months later, I come home, and what have I done? I've internalized everything, and it's mom and dad's fault they sent me there. I didn't know. Go up here for a while. Get out of my hair for three months. <laughs> and let's just say that I, I said a few colorful words to my siblings who were no angels themselves, but they couldn't wait to go and tell mom and them. <laughs> and uh, I remember this day my dad sat me down and said, now that word you use here, this is what that word means, and I don't want to hear that coming out of your mouth again. Uh, you understand. He was very firm, very deliberate. Yeah, my dad is very mild-mannered, you can tell. You've been around him here until you get him to a point where he's not. My mom, on the other hand, it doesn't, it doesn't take much. Pull her chain, you're going to hear her bell. <laughs> and they kind of balance each other out, you know. But once you get, once you get him you know, to this, to a certain place, then you're going to see that he has great conviction and he's going to bring some account to the thing. Uh, people that work with him have found that out. My sister did that one time. Um, my sister, in earshot of my dad, used a word you should never say to your mother, a certain name that we won't reply to, we won't talk about. And, uh, I literally heard my dad say this from down the hall. I did what any smart, you know, 11, 12-year-old would do. I got out of there. I just went. <laughs> and I, I remember this like it was yesterday. He pointed, he was probably more than two, three inches away from her face, his figure. And he said, you ever talk to my wife that way again, I'll plaster you to that wall. And he meant it. So I, I've, I've seen him when he can... Yeah, <laughs> be decidedly, you know, animated. But you understand what I'm saying to you. These, these, these things are mentioned in Scripture. Paul talks about these things. These things are uncleanness of the mouth and the heart, and they shouldn't be a part of us. So if you're diligent about that, now, if you just stop with the slang and the cussing and the gossip and the slander, and you don't switch over to the positive side of this about how you're supposed to be using your mouth for good, and speaking the Word of God in these situations, then you've only got half the message. You got the religious side, don't do this and don't do that. But you didn't get the Word side that tells you how to sow the Word of God, the supernatural seed, into those situations. Uh, faith won't work in an overcrowded heart. Say that with me, faith, faith. Will, not will not work in an overcrowded heart. Overcrowded My, heart. Heart. My heart needs to be free, to be free. And, clear and clear and pure. 
Uh, have you noticed that your body could use a detox from time to time? Yeah. Stop eating certain stuff, the Holy Ghost will direct you, yeah? Uh, anybody here ever t uh, got off caffeine for a season? Mm -hmm. How'd you feel as you were going through it? Headaches. Yeah. Well, guess what? The heart needs to be detoxed as well, and that with the mouth. So it starts with that kind of a junk. You don't want to have a toxic heart. How many want to be more proficient with your words? Yeah. Toxic heart will block that because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth, the mouth speaks. So we're not talking about legalism here. Write that down. This isn't legalism. I can't say this. You can't do that. No. We're learning how to emulate God. Could you imagine God saying the same, some of the things we've said? No. And if you can't imagine the Lord saying these things, well, you got mad, yeah, righteous indignation over the idolatry and, and uh, you know, the temple at the time. But uh, there's no one that claims that he began to be perverse in his speech with them. Amen. They didn't cross that line. Amen. So it's not about legalism. Write this down. It's about revelation. And this is where we're going to park the bus tonight. But have you noticed there are rules of the road? Yeah. Does anybody know what the speed limit is in front of the church? 45. 80. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure it's not. But it's does anybody, does anybody know what it is as soon as you cross the little bridge going into town? Uh-huh, and then it slips to what? 25. Have you ever seen a cop there waiting for somebody not to see the sign? Yeah. And what happens if you're doing 45 or 35? You wave. And then he just laughs. He cracks up and he just lets you go. Yeah. <laughs> there are what? The rows of the road. How many of y'all remember when you were in school? If you're still in school, you remember it very well. Were there rules? You know what the big rule was when we were in school? No, no talking during class and no chewing gum. Could you imagine? That's all it was. And if you did chew gum, guess what happened to you? You had to spit it out in the hand, and, and more often than not, especially if it was a repeat violation, you got yourself paddled. Can you see how ruined we all are from that generation? We're just so messed up, yeah, because we got paddled, yeah. When I was a kindergartner, can you believe me in kindergarten? They used to have these little half-page, you know, you know, handouts with math problems on them, whatever, and they give you those big pencils, the kindergarten kind. Yeah. And so they sit down and do your problems, and I did, and I was, you know, pretty sharp when it came to math and stuff like that, even from the time I was a little tyke, and so I just finished them up, and I was pretty much done before anybody, and I got bored. And when you're in kindergarten, they don't give you a little thin paper; they give you big, thick stuff. And you take one of those big, thick pencils with that paper, you can make a racket with it. So I, I turned my paper into a little noise machine. Mrs. Absher, everybody say, God bless Mrs. Absher. <laughs> Wherever she is. <laughs> she said, she said, no, I put that down and wait for everybody else to finish. And uh, I did, and I picked it back up again, and I went, bang, 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 bang. She said, I told you to put that down. You do it again, I'm going to call Mrs. Sullivan down here. I used the principal, another person from a different generation, and uh, thinking that she's just, you know, crazy, would never act on that, I picked it back up, and I went bam, 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 and he came down, pulled me out in the hallway, and went bam, bam, bam. <laughs> to this day, I never liked bam, bam in the Flintstones. I never liked that character whatsoever, just remind me, you know, 
cause, <laughs> cause all kinds of nightmares at night. <laughs> so look at somebody say, bam, bam, bam. There are rules of the road. There are rules at school. There are rules at work. You have to actually work when you're there. there. You clock in at a time you really weren't there. That's theft of time and theft of income, all kinds. They have rules. If you, you know, do certain things, they're going to get rid of you. It's the same thing in terms of the kingdom of God. There are things that if you see, they agree. <laughs> there are things that if you line up with, it's going to bless your life profusely. But if there are things you contradict, it's not going to go what? It's not going to go well with you. What is God's dream for you? That it will go well with you. What is the what is the what a what is the command from the Decalogue from the Ten Commandments that the Bible says has promise for this life? Honor your mother and father. Paul seizes upon that from the Ten Commandments, and what does he say? That it what? That it what? Will go well with you, and you'll have what? Long life. What is he saying? There is something positive that can help, and when you line it with that word, see this. That's just one example. There are rules everywhere. There are things that, if you line it with, will bless your life. There are things that, if you don't line up with, they'll cause hindrance in your life. The good news for you and for me is we get to choose. Amen. Again, go back to what God said: life and death, blessing and cursing. Now what? Choose. Now choose life. You know what we're doing? We're becoming more proficient in choosing. There is a rule in the universe. It's the law of words. And your words need to reflect the heart of God and the truth of God. And by and large, the more you do this, the more breakthroughs you're going to see. The more you contradict God's word with your mouth, the more it's going to be a limiting factor in your life. So say it with me. I'm not broke. I'm not sick. I'm not going to hell. I'm not defeated. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a liar. I'm not a tailbearer. I'm not a cusser. I don't curse people. I'm called to bless. Is that good to know? Yes. But what's even more important for you to know is that I'm the healed. I am healed. I am prosperous. I am increasing. I bless other people. I empower them to succeed. See this? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So I look forward to you getting up to bat. Cardinals could use some of y'all right now. The Cardinals could use you. Could use you. Bless God. Could you <laughs> use you right now. Look forward to seeing you actually, you know, hit the ball and, and do well. But if you happen to strike out, if something doesn't go the right way, the principle is not sound or true because it worked for you every time. It's true or sound because the Word of God says so. You're dealing with a proficiency issue. You're dealing with a growth issue, and that's okay, isn't it? Amen? Amen? There are lots of variables that affect your receiving from God. Let's check this one off the list. Amen? Amen? To say this one more time, I walk in the truth. I I am diligent. I I am faithful. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'm a believer. And I speak the Word of God. My tongue lines up with the Word of God. I'm paddling upstream. Turn to somebody and tell them, keep paddling. Just, just keep paddling. 
Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Let's thank him for it.